Along with individual experts, Surgeon Masters brings you life improvement strategies in 10 minutes. These proven principles and strategies are easy to learn and can be applied immediately, allowing you to practice your best. Here's your host, Jeff Smith. Welcome to this episode of our mini podcast on second victim syndrome. I have with me Dr. Kara Pepper. Kara is a practicing primary care internist, certified life coach, and a primary care physician for Atlanta Ballet. Kara, thank you for being with us. Thanks for having me. So Kara, how long have you been a physician? I'm starting my 13th year in practice this year, actually. So lucky 13. That's fantastic. And then you became a life coach. In addition to that, it sounds like you're either a former or current ballerina. You have a lot you're doing. Tell us a little bit more about your background for us. Yeah, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a ballet dancer when I grew up. And so moved to Russia in eighth grade and ultimately got a job dancing after high school. And it may have been the pack of cigarettes I was smoking every day or the Diet Coke I was living on, but kept breaking things and ultimately ended my career and decided to go to med school to be an orthopedic surgeon. I'm clearly not meant to be an orthopedic surgeon (laughs) for many reasons um, and found my way to uh, primary care through med school and residency. About seven years into practice, you know, after years of perfectionism and workaholism and all of that really just became extremely burned out. So I took a break from medicine for a while and rebuilt my life in a way that was sustainable for me. And no one was more surprised than I was that I came back to medicine and still practice in primary care and truly found love for it again. And then it was out of that that I really wanted to help other physicians who were struggling and felt that they had to do so alone. So when that my life coach certification and now help physicians who are struggling with burnout and transition, perfectionism and imposter syndrome. So here I am. That's fantastic. The so many things and uh, sounds like while different paths, we have a lot of common interests where I also uh, experience burnout and use the coaching as a way to actually stay in and now giving back. So it sounds like we both are wanting to give back. And in particular, on this concept that I think both you and I agree is very common in medicine, which is the concept of second victim syndrome. Tell us a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. So this idea, the concept was well recognized about 20 years ago. Basically, it's this negative experience or emotion that we have after we're involved in an adverse event that's unanticipated. So if you've practiced medicine long enough, you know that your patients are going to have complications. They're inevitably going to die. But it's when we're caught off guard and we feel personally responsible for that and don't have a safe place to process that, that this emotional kind of state of second victim syndrome takes hold. Excellent. And so, you know, there's a mixed concept here, both of how much we anticipate it. Certainly, there's a little bit more preparation when it's much less anticipated. It's a bigger hit. And then there's probably a lot in between. Give us an example of where it's it's gone wrong and an example where it's gone well. I'll tell you my personal experience with it and how it had affected me at the time and, and even now in clinical practice. When I was a resident working in the ICU, um, there's a PA who'd worked for our hospital for 20 years. I can't tell you about the medical part of things, but the public knowledge is that he collapsed outside the emergency room and I was the resident on call who admitted him. He died very quickly under the care of the team, the residents, the attendings who he'd trained over his career. It was a very traumatic 
emotional experience for the team. And we did exactly what everyone else we knew did, which was after we coded him, we came back upstairs and started rounding. We didn't talk about it. We didn't acknowledge what happened. And in fact, four days later, when it was his funeral, I couldn't go because I was on call again. So I learned at the time, one, we don't talk about hard stuff in medicine. Two, at the time I was trying to figure out, should I be a hospitalist? Should I do primary care? And I thought, this feels so awful. It must be me. I'm just not cut out to do this kind of work. So I need to go to a lower acuity job. It was one of the reasons I ended up in primary care. And so I just kind of sat on that feeling of discomfort for many years. And now here I am, you know, 12, 13 years into practice. And I was asked to come back to my alma mater and give a speech on burnout, Grand Rounds. And I realized I was having flashbacks from that event and residency. So in working with a trauma therapist, I actually ended up doing immersion therapy. I went to the ER. I went to the ICU. I really did the work that I needed to do when I was a resident now in my current life to process this in a really healthy way and put it behind me. So yes, of course, we know that people are going to die, but that feeling of being out of control and the chaos of the acute situation, when people don't process at that time, that's when we see the long-term impacts of the walking wounded carrying around these emotional experiences years into their career. Yeah. When I've talked about this, I've also noticed people initially not really come up with examples. And then when you start sharing your own examples, it starts bringing back these these memories that people have maybe suppressed or tucked away or, like you said, not fully processed. And that's kind of after the fact. I applaud you for taking such great action to process it. What would have been more smoothly at the time if it was dealt with more time-sensitive? Yeah, absolutely. So when you look at the stages of second victim, if you lump it generally into the acute, subacute, and chronic outcomes of that, in the acute phase, you know, really it's that shock of like, oh my gosh, what just happened? The replaying it in your mind and then, you know, wondering like, was that my fault? And kind of looking for validation or a place to unpack it um, in the community of physicians that you're with. And when that doesn't happen, that's usually when these long-term problems take shape. So we know that physicians, when they're under stress, tend to lean on other physicians. You know, it's the people in the foxhole with you that you say, man, I had that really crazy case that happened today. I had this bad encounter. And so knowing that we will have adverse events happen to our patients, whether we want to or not, we try our best to keep them from happening. But knowing that we will have to deal with the emotional toll of practicing medicine that we can prepare for a way to support each other as individuals and as organizations to help people appropriately process these experiences and prevent the long-term trauma, frankly, that people are walking around with. That's excellent. And I think that people sometimes argue over second victim syndrome versus not necessarily making yourself a victim. But I think people get it. I mean, there's two angles there, but processing it forward, it's certainly a concept of of managing adverse outcomes and doing that in a healthy way. I think M&M is a really good way of looking at that. Like historically, it was patient died overnight and finger pointing at one individual. And then it evolved into let's look at a systems-based approach. What are the multiple layers of things that fell through the cracks? But I think in terms of second victim, the next step is then to say, yeah, this happened. Yeah, we're going to keep it from happening in the future. But how can we take care of you in the aftermath of something that was really devastating? And it's that piece that's rarely acknowledged that 
we are human and that we care about our patients and that we want them to do well and that we are personally affected when things don't go the way that we expect them to. So having a system in place to acknowledge, even just the acknowledging to say like, man, that must have been really hard, I think is a huge piece in putting this to rest. I think that's so great. You said so well. I'm going to let you wrap it up and just kind of summarize it for everybody one more time. Absolutely. So part of dealing with second victim is one, taking space for yourself when you have an adverse event and finding a place to safely talk about it. And then two, as organizations, the same way that we're screening for burnout, you can screen for second victim syndrome in your organization with two questions. One being, ask, have you experienced a patient safety event that caused anxiety, depression, or concern about your ability to do your job? And then the second is, have you received institutional support for this issue? And that alone signals that we actually want to to step into the space with real human physicians who are trying to do our best and stay emotionally healthy. Thanks so much, Kara. Thanks for being our guest today. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. There you have it. In less than 10 minutes, this is Jeff Smith along with Dr. Kara Pepper. Until the next episode of Life Improvement Strategies for the Surgeon Who Wants More. Ciao. Now, take 10 minutes and put your plan into action to practice your best.